Okay, watching this movie again recently has actually been affecting the way I interact with the world, though. You try to scam people? No, but I'm just paying a lot more attention to my checks. Hmm. And whenever I see checks just laying out, I'm like, why are you leaving those out there? You know? I think it's a little harder now. Yeah, well, that's his fault, isn't it? And this is Home Viewing, a podcast where we watch just all the movies, just a bunch of them, a lot of them, from the shelf in our living room that has the movies on it. Is that an accurate descriptor, you think? Yeah, pretty accurate. What did we watch before this podcast? Catch me if you can't. No. Oh. No. <laughs> no. Catch me if you can. Um... 2002 film oh my god so old yeah um and yet leo looks like a baby in it and yet i think he was 28 when it was when it was being filmed like he was like 28 when it came out that's crazy yeah uh it's about it's a based on a true story it's a biographical crime film uh about frank abagnale um jr frank abagnale jr it's important because his dad is frank abagnale um Directed by Steven Spielberg, starring Leo DiCaprio, of course, Leo DiCapri- Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks, Christopher Walken, and you've also got uh, Martin Sheen in there, and a very, I mean, I don't want to say young Amy Adams, because she was 28. No, she was not. Yeah, she was what? also, yeah. Man, they look younger at 28 than I do now. Right? That's awful. <laughs> Yeah, no, they were both born in 1974. What? Uh-huh. It's real. Le- Leo and uh, Amy Adams, I'm pretty sure. Let me just check real quick. L- Leo DiCaprio age, 1974. Yep. Amy Adams age. Yeah, she's 44. 1974. Yeah, Amy Adams is actually older than Leonardo DiCaprio. And this was a very small part for Amy Adams, but she is committed to it, too, which we'll get into. Um, This is one of the C's. We have a lot of C films, don't we? And we haven't really been going in alphabetical order for the C films, just watching them as we kind of please. But I think we've been having fun with them, right? I was going to say, don't tell the viewers, but I think they know the alphabet, so I guess they would know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Yes, this would have been, yeah, it's described as her first major role. She was unemployed for a year after she made this movie, baby. She didn't get any work? Yeah, she didn't get any work after this. That sounds awesome. I wish I could, wait, no, I probably shouldn't say it on the internet. (laughs) No, I love working. You love working and jobs and capitalism? (laughs) We are red-blooded Americans who love to work. Just love it. Yeah, I think a lot of people identify her breakout as like, or her mainstream breakout as Enchanted. Enchanted. Yeah. What year was that? That was 2004? 2005? So pretty soon after that. Yeah. 2005. Wait, no. 2004. 
2007. Yeah, 2007. She had some... Like, she was in a Talladega Nights. Um, she was in Talladega Nights? Apparently. When? She played a romantic interest of Will Ferrell's character. Hmm. She also had a, a really pop... She she had an indie film, um, Junebug, where she was real... That got her a lot of attention in the critical scene. But I mean, I don't know. I feel like I feel like part of the through line of this podcast is us talking about how amazing Amy Adams is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is our first Leo, too, isn't it? Our first Leo yeah. and... Do we have any other Leos, though? Yeah, no, I've got Romeo plus Juliet in there somewhere. Hmm. And I think... Um, Inception. I've got Inception in there. Um, I don't think I've got Titanic. No, we don't no, have Titanic. We're not doing that anyway. <laughs> uh, we don't have. Yeah, those are. I think those are the three. Le- these are the three Leos that we have: Romeo and Juliet, um, Inception, and this. Um, our first Spielberg. We only have one other Spielberg too. I think, um, and that's Jurassic Park. Solid. Yes. Um, so, what worked for you in this movie? Um, I really liked the time jumps. Yeah, yeah, the, the framing structure was pretty cool, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Because it starts off with the, uh, it's, it starts off with the opening credit sequence, which is in itself a work of art. Just really good mm-hmm. animation and, like, the John Williams jazzy score in the background. And then it shows the, uh, to tell the truth episode, right? The, the TV game show? Yeah, the game show from uh, the 1970s um, about F- Frank Abagnale. And then it flashes from hi- uh, to Tom Hanks' character, Carl Hanratty, um, trying to get him out of a French prison for extradition. And then from there, he jump. It's a f- almost like a flashback, kind of. The movie is mm-hmm. kind of told in flashback. Yeah. In a way. Um, it goes chronologically from there, but we're still seeing bits of him in france with uh tom hanks the entire time and it starts off with an escape attempt from him which i think is great like even sick just just like completely sick trying to crawl out of this french prison that was amazing because because he scammed him he made him think he was dying Mm -hmm. and then snuck out the door oh and he was actually sick like that's the thing he like used that it's it's a i mean I think everyone like knows like the poster for this movie and everything like the it's like a DiCap- a blurred image of DiCaprio and a blurred image of Hanks. It just says DiCaprio Hanks. <laughs> um and they're chasing each other and it's the, the true story of a real fake is was the slogan <laughs> for this movie. And that's what this movie is about. It's about fakes, you know? Like and it's Kind of from the beginning, you get that vibe when his dad's being inducted into the Rotary Club. And, like, you see his dad being inducted into the Rotary Club and being held as, like, an upstanding citizen and all this stuff by James Brolin, which was interesting because because we like a... I mean, James Brolin is prolific, but we know him best as the grandpa in Life in Pieces, (laughs) which is such a cute show that everyone should watch. Um, (laughs) That actually has Colin Hanks in it. Too, which mm-hmm. is fun. Baby Hanks. Oh, funnily enough, James Rowland plays a former airline pilot in that show too. <laughs> so weird connections going on. Is he in the show? What? He's a former airline pilot. Yeah, former airline pilot. 
Um, so, let's see, but you see his dad at, like, this triumphant moment, and then you see him telling the story of how he met his mother and everything like that. And immediately after that, you see the cracks to form in this perfect image they've created. Because right after that, he's got Frank, he, he gets Frank Jr., he gets Leo's character to, um help him try and scam the bank into giving him a loan by posing as his driver. And yeah. you see him sort of teaching him some of his tricks too. Um, because you've got that necklace thing where he, he has a gold, he has the gold necklace and he, he's like charms the lady by saying, you know what? This must've fallen right mm-hmm. off your neck in the parking lot. It's like a subtle bribery. I mean, I can't believe that really worked on people. It worked a few times for, um, for Frank Jr. too, mm-hmm. and then there was one time when it uh, fully did not work, <laughs> and the bank manager replaced him. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like you don't hear too much about con men anymore. No. No, because like... I mean, they're obviously still there. Yeah. They're just not... I mean, you see, you see, um, you see them in, like, Ocean's 8 was a good con movie, I think. Yeah, like, yeah. But but you see them more in the context of working like as part of a heist, whereas this like you you, you consider them one of the members of the team or like one of the tools in the mm-hmm. ensemble, um, and that's that's kind of what you saw in all of the oceans movies. But this, I don't know, maybe the fact that it's mostly based on true events, like a lot of these taken directly from from the actual Frank Frank Abagnale's like memoirs. That's what's kind of wild to me is that oh hey people were this vulnerable in a way (laughs) i think what was really brilliant was uh a lot of the ways that spielberg used kind of repeated stanzas in the movie because you mentioned there were a lot of time jumps but once i brought it up you know the necklace Mm -hmm. you know this must have fallen right off you, or I'm the mouse that churned the cream into butter. Oh my god, that one was. And and like it works, it works as kind of like this idea that you can work your way out of any bad situation, which is really, really what this Frank Abagnale Senior believed, even though it didn't really work mm-hmm. out for him. Yeah. But that's kind of what he imparted to Frank Junior, which uh, the scene where he's saying grace, and he tells that story. Man. Ugh. <laughs> Because his parents weren't, like, religious, so he, like, literally didn't know any prayers. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, if anything, they might have been Catholic, because French, France, but... French, and, like, a name like Abagnale, that's pretty Italian, I would say, but, you know, you just got kind of a, you didn't really get that vibe of particular any particular religion or anything from them. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, man, the... The French, where he's trying to teach the French class, is like his first like heist or whatever. Basically, yeah, his first, his first scan. Um, after because he shows up, he shows up to his public school because his his dad's been losing money and they have to start going to a public school. He's still wearing his private school uniform, mm-hmm. and someone assumes that he's a substitute teacher, <laughs> and he runs with it. He runs with it, and it's so good. And he's like got this idea of. And I, that I guess he's gotten from his father that it's all about the appearances. Yeah. Like, if you look and act like you belong somewhere, then people will believe that you belong there. And that's something interesting, too, because 
in the opening scene when he's at the Rotary Club, you see him taking the labels off his wine bottle. Mm-hmm. And like you don't assume that he's going to... You don't know why he's doing that at first, and that's not really revealed until the middle of the movie when mm-hmm. <laughs> when he runs into um, Tom Hanks for the first time. But it's kind of those like little rhyming touches, these repeated repeated motifs. You've got the necklace, obviously. You've got the, the bottles with the missing labels. But I feel like uh, my favorite, and this is the one that's done the most elegantly, in my opinion is the scene of the pilot with the flight attendants rolling up to the uh, hotel that he repeats later as a... Oh, yeah, that yeah, one. Mm-hmm, as a way of tricking... Um, as, as, as a way of tricking everybody by distracting them with the flight attendants. Mm-hmm. like And then paying the guy to stay in the car. Mm-hmm. That's a diversion. And then the, the Christmas call, too. Like, every night we're spending things on... We're, we're talk, every Christmas Eve, we're talking to each other. It's... Oh, there's just... Something so interesting about the way it's so cyclical. Mm-hmm. Like, which is, and I feel like, I feel like each time, um, each, each cycle is kind of interspersed by one of those flashback moments, flash forward moments when he's with, um, when he's with Tom Hanks on the plane. And I guess they identify like three main cycles too, which is, which is like the airline pilot the doctor, and then the lawyer. Those are like the three main phases of his mm-hmm. life. Um, which is... And I love this. They that they reflect that on the uh, DVD menu. On the Blu-ray menu, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah, this is the first one that's had like a really interesting or artistic menu. Because you get the... Um, it's uh, done in the style of the opening credit sequence. Um, well, see, now I wish I had my Shrek DVD because I, you know, you, you know that DVD menu. Uh, the the one that has like the mud everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but the like donkeys like yelling. Uh, at the opening, at the opening of um, though, you get to choose between a doctor, a lawyer, and an airline pilot, and then the menu reflects whatever that is and plays the theme that was used in that part of the um... movie. Yeah, oh, John Williams score. That's something that worked. Because usually you think of John Williams as being a very big and bombastic kind of guy. Mm-hmm. No, this was very subtle and like, but like still added to the theme. Like jazzy and understated, but mm-hmm. like good at ratcheting the tension, and made a good use of like period music a lot of the time too. Like, come fly with me in the scene when he's walking with the flight attendants. <laughs> oh. I was just thinking, there are a lot of just, like, little cameos by fe- female actresses who are huge now. Like actress- Besides Amy Adams? Besides Amy Adams, because you've got Ellen Pompeo as the flight attendant. Who is that again? Uh, Meredith Grey. Oh. She's, she's big in her own way. I guess. you got Elizabeth Banks as the bank teller. Yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> one was a good surprise. And then Jennifer Garner as the call girl. Yeah, yeah, that one too. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah, that's something that ne- might not necessarily have worked for me. Yeah. Is his... And how young he was supposed to have been, like, I feel and like... And his, like, rela- relationship with women yeah. in general in that I movie. I mean, it makes sense it would be bad, because his... Like... Yeah. Yeah. The way his dad, like, kind of viewed women as a status symbol, almost, mm-hmm. it felt like. And, like, the key to get through to something else. Like, it's interesting that... His most common targets for manipulation were women. Like, yeah. it was always the bank teller, the 
or or like the hotel clerk or something like that and mm-hmm. like that's why he that's why I think the uh, scene where he tries to drop the necklace and then it's actually the male bank manager right there <laughs> is so effective. Um, huh. he's, he's seen kind of as a playboy too, which shout out to Atlanta where he spends <laughs> his playboy time. <laughs> it's just like most of the time you can tell when someone is still like in their teens. <laughs> well, like, it would be so we- like it would be so weird to like like. You'd have to understand that they're at least in their early 20s. Like, yeah. Why do they have all this money? Like, I guess they would assume that they were, like, someone's kid. Yeah, well, I mean, he just walked in kind of... Like, I would never buy oh. that he was an airplane pilot. Man, I think um, what I thought was uh, an effective moment that really showed that he just is a kid dressing up in a way, mm-hmm. the courtroom mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. When, he, uh, when he's at, like, an indictment hearing, preliminary hearing... And imitating exactly what he's seen on, on TV, TV and, like, has, like, an enlargement of the signature on the check. Well, yeah, that's how he learned how to be a doctor. Yeah, right? is he just copied what they were saying on General uh-huh. Hospital. That's... <sighs> Speaking of things that he copied, I'm a Secret Service agent Barry Allen. Uh. God. <laughs> it's... But that's a seed that's planted early on in the movie because you see him reading a flat... Uh, like a flash comic right next to his bed when his dad wakes him up to take him to the bank, you know? Uh, it's very artfully done. The 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 way that these little details are just sprinkled in the, like, the mise-en-scene and things like that. It's mm-hmm. it, it's funny, too. I, I love the that he finds out... That's how he figures out he's a kid, is someone else points out that Barry out, is like the, the waiter, the kid waiter in the diner, points out to uh, Tom Hanks' mm-hmm. character... Barry Allen, what's the Flash? <laughs> and then asks him if he's a collector of comic books. <laughs> mm. I mean, what can you really say about a Spielberg film? You know? Like, it's elegant, it gets the message across. I don't know if there's a wasted minute of, sc- of screen time. Like, I don't think mm. there's any sequences that you could cut out and the movie would be better for it. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, it all shows... What's what's amazing to me is that the fakery really does come through for the audience. Like, you can see how fake everything is, but you also see why people would have wanted to buy it. Like, especially in the uh, flight attendant interview when he's at the women's college in Miami. Mm-hmm. That oh that one there. <laughs> if you want to go on tour with me yeah it's just I don't know I feel like it's also a little bit of a statement on capitalism oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah a little bit maybe a little bit maybe <laughs> um and like the idea that we want to believe everything we want to believe that the dreams that have been sold to us are real and that. Like what we're what we're told and the, what we're comfortable with is real, which is why like we look to people in positions of power, like your doctors or your lawyers, or you see like the uniform of an airline pilot, and then you're like, oh, when when I guess that must have been a thing back then is the like the kids wanting the signatures from the pilots because it was still a new thing. Like, yeah, you, you you didn't just have like you know thousands of airline pilots in the world. Yeah, cause, it was cause, like, <sighs> well, I mean, not to honor. not to harp on like. A podcast that I've been listening to recently, but I feel like in the first episode of the Anthropocene reviewed, 
um, John Green really kind of gets that point across that a lot of the things that we consider very human and like are so new. very part of the human condition are things that have developed even in just like the last 50 or 60 years or so. Mm-hmm. Like, like we see that now. We see the, the scams that he pulled now and we think, how could anyone have bought that? Mm-hmm. And then we think, because no one was doing scams like that mm-hmm. at the time. We're used to the idea of that, largely because of Frank Abagnale. Like, he's the reason, the real Frank Abagnale is the reason that checks are as secure as they are, and that mm-hmm. a lot of, like, corporate security is in place. Yeah, like, all the computer stuff of, like, our, like, our thing would be, like, computers, like, catfishing and stuff. Like, it didn't seem so crazy, like, 15 years ago. Or like, oh, yeah, that could be, you know. Yeah, you know, there's, like, out there this level of trust, you mm-hmm. know. And then it always gets broken. Mm-hmm. And I think it's... I know that Spielberg was, like, trying to play with this idea of, like, broken men from broken homes, in a way. Like, that they have to do something to, like, regain that power. Because you've got Tom Hanks's character, who's, like, fresh off a divorce. But, I don't know, it's just... Hmm? It was really good, wasn't it? Like... Can you think of anything that, like, blaringly, glaringly didn't work? Like, I would say that Martin Sheen's character felt almost too sincere at times. But then that's part of the charm of, like, getting Martin Sheen to play him mm-hmm. as this, like, southern southern old money father who, like, works as a prosecutor and, like, right. wants the I best for his for daughter. I sure in that didn't, like, if you, if you, if, like, this was the... You know, I thought about if that was the first time I was watching it since I've already seen it. Like, I I would have thought for sure that they were like gonna call his bluff at that dinner table because he sounds so like fake, fake, and being that like you don't know her dad's a lawyer until they say so. Yeah, and then he says, "Oh, I'm also a lawyer," as a way of trying to get in with this. It feels like such a fake play, Mm -hmm. and like you think in his office that he actually does have him, but he's like, "No, I'm y'all just a romantic son," and I'm like. It's, it's weird to see President Bartlett falling for something like that, I think. Because we so solidly associate Martin Sheen with being this, like, commanding, authoritative figure. But, of course, an audience back then wouldn't have thought that because it would have... I mean, the West Wing only would have been on air for a little while. And, like, they wouldn't have been recently binging it. <laughs> you know, one thing that really stood out to me in, like, the set... Mm-hmm. In the... In the bank, there were s- in the in the hotel. There were so many flowers. Did you oh, notice all the fresh that? flowers? There were so many fresh flowers. I guess that's how people used to like decorate. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think like the florist industry like really like took a hit after like the sixties and seventies? <laughs> maybe so. Like, maybe it was like this big thing. Maybe it's, maybe it's because it's New York, though. Yeah, maybe it's that. But I think it's also those are symbols of status. Being able to have fresh flowers all the time are symbols of status. And it makes me think of, well, even the scene when he has dinner with his father and he's like, this fork is bone cold. He's like, dad, it's a chilled salad fork. That's normal. And he like, he's like trying to buy him the Mercedes and things like that. Oh yeah. That was really weird. Well, no, because he's like, you can drive over to mom's house in the Mercedes and pick her up. He's like obsessed with this idea of retaining like yeah, he's, that, like, such a child. Yeah. Like, he doesn't understand. Well, I mean, even, like, like, the scene when the scene when he and Amy Adams start making out in the office room, he looks like it, just a teenager, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's... Mm-hmm. Also, the braces. That's one of the biggest scams in the world. <laughs> People are still falling for that one. God. No, if anything, braces messed up my mouth more. 
because mostly because I am not wearing my retainer anymore, but I still have this permanent bottom retainer, which is pushing my jaw forward. So I'm getting the opposite problem that I had. (laughs) That's pretty much everyone. Mm -hmm. They should have just put a permanent one up top too. Right? Why would they do that? I don't know. I don't know. What's... Can you think of anyone you know that didn't have braces? Like, two people, maybe. Right. Like, like you closely know, like, everyone has had pretty much braces. Mm-hmm. The biggest scam of orthodontry. The, the, well, I mean, orthodontry thing, yeah. is the scam. Yeah, yeah basically. <sighs> not that I'm saying that that's not a great profession, because probably it saved a lot of people with, like, inverted teeth yeah absolutely but, but the obsession with the, the straight smile the, the movement towards like cosmetic like, and it makes makes everyone think that they look okay while they're smiling with teeth and you know what <laughs> i just looked at our wedding photos and guess who doesn't look okay while he's smiling with teeth yeah that's just you that ex- exactly look wonderful what no i don't yes you do it looks good yeah but i couldn't use it for like a linkedin profile photo or something like that why not I'm making the face that I made in that photo. You can't see it, listeners, but it's bad. <laughs> Maybe I'll post a wedding photo, some of the wedding photos on Twitter with this, so people can know what they're what I'm talking about. <laughs> Do you have a fashion corner? The only thing that really stood out to me was, I guess, like the airline uniforms yeah those classic stewardess yeah, uniforms and just the pilot uniforms and then in the atlanta house party that was yeah <laughs> some good like period piece apparently apparently that was a famous singles apartment complex in atlanta in decatur that was like right not in far decatur? from where we- yeah I thought it, was atlanta. it was like just inside the perimeter of indicator what where you know, like the riverwood apartments or something let me we should have gone there um, it's probably bad. <laughs> sing, oh yeah, no, it's not a thing anymore. Singles Apartments, Decatur, Georgia. I think it might have been Riverwood, Riverside. What is a singles apartment? Well, it was known as an apartment where people would just go in apartment complex that was like filled with people who weren't engaged or married or anything. And they would just have wild parties. Why can't married people party? Married people can party. But these were sex parties, babe. Oh. <laughs> Why can't married people party? <laughs> <laughs> uh, are, you think you're ready to rate? Uh, sure. Okay. How many checks? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I give oh, this... Wait, one more thing. It's really dumb that he's not in jail forever for this. Like, this is truly something of the past because, like, now... If, if, if you had done, this, done that, you would just be in jail forever. forever. But, of course, of course, that was before mandatory minimums and... Right, like, oh no. my god, I would love to learn about, like, where where our justice system took this wild turn uh, uh, into throwing it was, everyone it was, in jail it was, forever. It was after the Civil Rights Act. It was a backlash. It's racism, babe. It's all racism. Are there Republicans? Yeah, I think it was actually. Well, some of it was Dixiecrats, too, back before the Democratic Party got progressive. Oh, Lord. Yeah, but a lot of the Dixiecrats switched to Republican, the Republican Party as a result. So, Ugh. But that's for another podcast. Sorry, I just, had to, I just had to say that, like, that's ridiculous. You would be in jail forever now. Yeah, unless you did turn state's witness or something like that, like he did. Like, if you worked with the FBI. I mean, that's kind of what... But, okay. Why, why, 
You but, remember that show, okay. that USA show, White Collar? That's not how it would be either, because like he would have an he ankle. He has his bra- own office in the show. He would ha- yeah, he would movie. have like an ankle bracelet. Yeah, he wouldn't and- be able to like have his own desk and like mm-hmm. get coffee with them and potentially just get on a flight to anywhere. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's so romanticized. Yeah. Ah. Uh, okay. Okay. Check time. I give it four out of five million dollars. We can't really check for that high. I mean, he, they said that he had got, made like several million dollars cashing fake checks, which, oh, just one more, one more little plug to the visual in the movie. All the, all the little toy airplanes in the, in the bathtub (laughs) that he was taking the insignia off of. Wonderful. Wonderful. I was like, that's why toys don't use the real insignias anymore either. (laughs) If you've noticed that, it's always like a, they usually don't get the endorsement from the company to Mm -hmm. like, I guess it's like a copyright thing because they, then they have to give them money and stuff. Yeah. But okay. anyway, that was funny. How many checks? Mm, like 3.5. 3.5? Mm. Yeah. Wasn't quite... Because it it didn't make me feel anything. I think that's what kind of... Like, I was like, oh, this is a good story, but it's not like... Yeah. I think my four out of five is like mostly craft for yeah. the craft of it. Yeah. It's so... It's so beautifully made. Like, it, you can you can really see the work that was put into this movie. Yeah, I feel like a lot of movies now are just being like churned out like we got a story great now let's make some I mean, set pieces and go and i mean now we, we both saw spielberg's latest what was ready player one okay but like well i mean it felt it didn't I it feel liked co- it. I, I liked it too but didn't it feel a little bit churned out in a way like it felt like spielberg getting a chance to be kind of nerdy about stuff yeah but as the other 2000s 18 movies that I've seen. It was one of the better ones, and that's saying something. Uh, 2018. It's been a bad movie. It's been a bad year, guys. <laughs> Ugh, for a lot of reasons. But hey, at least we got married. Yeah. Yeah. I love you, babe. Some better movies, though. I love you. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Home Viewing is a uh, member of the Pocket Podcast Network, dedicated to getting quality content right to your pocket. Other shows include The Ghoul Tank, Simultaneous Catch. I'm just saying, like, the three. Same shows over and over all the time, aren't I? Space Mart! No dice. Yep. Oh. Them's the facts. The 13th. I think I've heard of them. I don't want to. S- Is it the 15th? It's the 15th. Oh, Pre- gosh. Listen, I, I get. I say you have the internet. In front I get of you. all the numbers after, like, I get all the teens that are, like, one syllable. I always get 14th, 13th, and 15th confused when it comes to the names of things. Like, not if I'm, like, counting something, but, like, when it comes to the names of things. But anyway, they're all excellent. You should go check them out. Yeah, just go to pocketpodcastnetwork.com. Um, I think we need to do Chicago soon, but I think we want to try and do a Christmas movie before that, right? Oh, I guess the next one would be Christmas now. Yeah, or at least close to Christmas. I know Santa Claus. I know him. for a Christmas special. Yeah, so I think we're going to try and get at least one more normal movie out this month, but we should, we're should. we also going to try and get a, a Christmas movie out as well. So we're going to see if we can get Elf for y'all. I'm ex- and the other C movie? I think Chicago. I want to do Chicago. Okay, well, I want to give him the old razzle-dazzle. Maybe dazzle. we'll put up a poll. <laughs> give him the old razzle-dazzle. Why are you interrupting me? Razzle, dazzle them. Stop. No. Listen, I want. Uh, people need to hear about how bad you, I want. They can do that. I want to be Billy Flynn. 
like, oh, Billy Flynn was my favorite character, and he was a scam artist. <laughs> love it. Listen, I love. But that. anyway, I we're gonna musicals. put up a poll so mm. people can vote on whether they want to hear Elf or Chicago first. Yes, that's a good idea. And all two people who listen to this podcast should vote. Yes. <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Home Viewing Pod to vote in that poll. And uh, until next time, goodbye. I'm John. Bye. It's never how you knew it. Nobody looks at it that way but you. We all saw him drowning, but you were the one with the blood on your hands. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.